0: Welcome to the Legal Nurse Podcast, where you'll get tips to expand your legal nurse consulting skills. Every week, you'll hear from experts from within and outside the legal nurse consulting business. They'll share their knowledge to help you grow. Your show is moderated by Pat Iyer, a legal nurse consultant with over 30 years experience. So join our community, sit back, relax, and get ready to learn. Here's your host, Pat Iyer.
1: Hi, this is Pat Iyer with Legal Nurse Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about some important aspects of customer service. If you've got all the skills as a legal nurse consultant, but you don't have clients who are satisfied with what you're doing for them, you've got an issue. Today I wanted to bring on the show Adam Toporek, who is an internationally recognized customer service expert. He's also a keynote speaker and a trainer who works with organizations to get results by thinking differently about customer service. Adam and I met at a C-suite event in New York City about a year ago when he was handing out copies of his book called Be Your Customer's Hero, And in preparation for today's show, I went through it and found so much that is directly applicable to you as a legal nurse consultant working with clients, primarily attorneys, that I wanted to bring him on to talk about some of his area of expertise. Adam is a third generation entrepreneur with extensive experience in retail, wholesale, franchising, and small business. And he understands the impact that customer experience has on the bottom line. He is the author of Be Your Customer's Hero. He's also the founder of the popular Customers That Stick blog. And he is a co-host of a podcast himself called Crack the Customer Code. He regularly shares his customer experiences and customer service insights with a global audience. Adam, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk to our audience.
2: Oh, thank you, Pat. Pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to it.
1: Tell us, uh, we've discussed the title of your book as Be Your Customer's Hero. What does that mean, to be your customer's hero?
2: Absolutely. So Be Your Customer's Hero one of the things about those types of lofty titles, you know, being amazing, incredible, five-star, all these sort of adjectives we use around services, I think we can get a little too carried away with them. And Be Your Customer's Hero is really about, we didn't get to the subtitle yet, which is real-world tips and techniques for the service front lines, but it's really about being grounded in what is good, great, or hero class, as we call it, customer experience. So to Be Your Customer's Hero means one thing above else it means being there when the customer needs you and making your interaction with the customer as memorably positive as possible. So to be your customer's hero you need to only do three things that's meet and whenever possible exceed expectations provide hassle-free frictionless experience and do number one and number two consistently. Now if you can wow your customers on top of that or surprise or delight them that's great but if you can just meet or exceed expectations and be hassle-free and do it consistently, you can always be a hero to your customers.
1: I think a lot of us have heard about meeting and exceeding customer expectations, but tell us about hassle-free. What does that mean to you?
2: Absolutely, and the formal term now is called customer effort, but it's frictionless, hassle-free customer effort. It all refers to how much effort or how much of a hassle it is to do business with you. So, For example, have you ever called into one of those phone trees and had you know, 74 layers before you could get to a person? That's a hassle. Have you ever had to fill out a seven-page form to do something really simple that you know, was not major surgery but, and really didn't need a seven-page form? That's customer hassle. Customer hassle, we have uh, these things in Be Your Customer's Hero, which I know you're familiar with, called the seven service triggers. Some of those, like being shuffled, which means being bounced around from department to department. That could be customer hassle or customer effort. And the thing is, my, my idea nowadays is that everybody is rushed and everybody is stressed. Everybody has too little time and doesn't want anything to take their time. They want to get in get their service, get their product, and get out and they want to have a good experience when they're doing it. And the more you can reduce customer effort or customer hassle the better, in most cases, there are some exceptions, but the better that you can make your customer experience for your customers. And for, say, legal nurse consultants where you're dealing with client issues, where you're dealing with client relations, I would urge everyone to think about what type of hassle, what type of effort they make their customer go through and can they reduce or eliminate anything that might make it easier?
1: Those are really good points. And I can think of some of those sore points that come up when attorneys interact with legal nurse consultants. And well,
2: right. And, and from yeah, perspective, gonna, it's tough. Right. And I was going to say, from a cultural standpoint, when you've got legal nurse consultants and you've got lawyers. You've got two groups of people that are very used to policies and procedures and regulations and come from cultures in which that's the norm, right?
1: Mm -hmm. And
2: One of the biggest sources of hassle or effort is policies or or procedures and things that have to be done by the customer, work the customer has to perform for you. And even though that may be sort of the cultural ethic in those groups and it may be what everyone's used to, it doesn't mean you can't look for opportunities to make things easier for the customer.
1: Well, one of the policies that a legal nurse consulting business might have is that a retainer has to be received before an expert witness goes through a deposition. And there are attorneys who don't want to pay that Retainer, they don't want to pay until after the deposition is over. And I know that that has been viewed in my company by our clients as a point of hassle. Right.
2: And good.
1: So, in some instances, uh, I had a policy when I ran my company of waiving that requirement for clients who had a great paying history, who paid their bills promptly, who were delightful to work with, who were top customers, that hassle disappeared. But in other instances where we were working with an attorney for the first time and didn't have any pattern of knowing how promptly that attorney was going to pay bills afterwards, we had to stick to that policy.
2: And that's a great point you bring up, Pat, because one of the things I would urge people to think about is the reason why so when we talk about policies or procedures you say why do we have this and one of the things that happens in especially big businesses but it can happen with small businesses or solopreneurs is we accumulate policies I actually created a term for that called rule accretion and they just build up over time like something went wrong so we made a policy to make sure it doesn't go wrong again but that thing only went wrong once it'll probably never go wrong again but the policy we created to prevent it has caused so many problems that it's actually not worth it. It's actually created more problems than just dealing with that once in a while. And you have to evaluate each sort of process or policy and look at why do you have it. For instance, with the example you just gave, uh, you know, if you've been burned and that's a good part of your business, then maybe that, uh, you know, having that retainer is important to you, or maybe as in the example you gave you make a determination, we'll waive the retainer when there's a payment history or a good payment history, right? Mm. But if if you do that, if you can look at the policies and say, why do we have this and do we need it or do we need it for everyone? I think that's one way you can look at how you can reduce effort for maybe your best customers in that case.
1: You know, and that's a good point, Adam. And as I think about this example, The other layer of complexity is that you might have a a bookkeeper who is very much of a, I'm going to do things exactly the way I'm supposed to. So if the policy says that I have to have a retainer from every single attorney in advance, then I'm going to enforce that because I think my boss expects me to. But the boss may say, but wait a minute, this is a very good customer and... This customer is upset because we're asking for a retainer. We need to make a deviation from the policy. So you have to have oversight of employees who may be blindly reinforcing policies that end up creating hassle for customers.
2: Well, absolutely. And that's where we get into a whole different topic, which is employee empowerment. To Mm -hmm. what degree do you empower your employees to make those decisions or to at least know that, hey, there is flexibility. Come to me so we can discuss it before you take a hard line with the customer. You may empower them to take care of it themselves, to make the determination themselves. In these cases, we're talking about pretty big ticket items, so maybe you don't necessarily empower them. You empower them to say, let me check on that and come back to you, whatever it may be. But that's a question of employee empowerment, which is, I think, very important in any business, whether it be large or small.
1: I know you've heard this expression, the customer is always right. Is that true?
2: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No. Of course not. Yeah, it's uh, you know you take that from the book, and we, we joke in the book that the the idea is just ludicrous, right? And people hate this phrase because customers are not always right. We all know that. In fact, they're so often wrong they'll make your head spin. But what I talk why I talk about it in the book is the focus on the literal meaning of the phrase is essentially overshadowed the original intent of the idea, which is putting the customer first above almost everything else. And you got to think the phrase was designed a long time ago to shift that mindset of customer service reps from taking advantage of customers to taking care of customers from giving attitude to giving respect because it used to be you know before the idea of customer service even existed that you know businesses were at war with customers and it was a zero sum game and it was transactional and eventually somebody figured out that we don't always want to be that way it's not the best way to be And I think at the heart of the phrase is a deeper message. There's sort of a fundamental truth of customer service, which is that we are not on equal terms with the customer. And that's important to remember. The idea of customer service is that we are there to serve the customer. And one of the first steps in sort of having a great customer service mindset is embracing that idea that the customer relationship is not an equal one. We're there to serve the customer. It's not the other way around. And that doesn't mean the customer should be allowed to walk all over you or is exempted from decency, but it does mean the relationship's not equal. And I think when you look at the customer is always right. If you take the ethic behind the phrase and not the literal meaning of the phrase, it just sort of underpins that we're there to serve the customer and that the responsibility for that relationship is on us.
1: It's an interesting point because it is, um, it's a relationship that's marked by mutual dependency. You know, I have, I can think of situations where attorneys were very angry about something that an expert witness did, but the attorney knew that because he had designated that expert witness as being the named individual as part of the case, that he was bound to that person for the three to five years that it would take for that case to resolve. The attorney would not be happy to recommend that person to colleagues, but would feel in essence trapped into that relationship. And my role when I was running the company was to talk to the expert witnesses about being responsive and um, addressing the client's needs. and, And that if the attorney had a bad experience with one person it would affect his willingness to come back to the company for other assistance on other cases.
2: Right. And that makes sense. And that's, you know, we see that outside of this industry, which is somebody has a bad experience. They tell others, right? And that's a part of that maintaining that relationship is not only keeping that customer, but, keeping uh, the customers they know, and their colleagues, and their, even their competition to some degree, if those comp- you know, competitors work together. And it's, it's truly important, and I think one of the things we've learned in the last few decades is how customer experience can be a differentiator. And not only a differentiator, but a competitive advantage, and it doesn't matter what the field is. There's very few fields where customer experience doesn't matter. In this field, you know, legal nurse consultant, that is a human-to-human business, and whenever you have a human-to-human business, customer experience is incredibly important and can be a source of competitive advantage or disadvantage if you don't do it well.
1: Mm-hmm. Before we continue with the podcast, I'll share with you a resource that will help you with your LNC skills. I put together five-minute planners. These documents are templates that help you assess how effectively you're handling certain critical aspects of your business. They include the five-minute client management plan, the five-minute financial plan, the five-minute online marketing plan, the five-minute LNC business plan, the five-minute sales plan, the five-minute exhibiting plan, and the five-minute marketing with storytelling plan. The planners help you identify your strengths and weaknesses as an LNC business owner and take action. You may purchase the package of seven five minute planners at this link htp colon forward/ slash, forward/lnc.tips slash, five minute plan. And that is using the number five HTTP colon, forward slash, forward slash, LNC.tips, forward slash, 5-Minute Plan. Use the code LISTENED to get 25% off. Let's return to our show. Tell us about doing it well regarding communication and respectful communication. What does that mean?
2: Well, absolutely. And one of the things that's very interesting about communication is how we can all fall into habits. We can all just get too comfortable when working with customers or working with clients and sometimes get a little too casual and forget that our language signals are basically our courtesy and our respect. And as you know, I mentioned seven service triggers earlier from Be Your Customer's Hero. And of those seven triggers, the seventh trigger is being disrespected. And we did some research around the triggers and one of the things we found, we asked them, Of the seven, which would be your biggest hot button, which would be the one that would just make you completely upset with an organization, and 50% chose being disrespected. That means as many people chose that one trigger as all the other triggers combined. So when you talk about respect and showing respect and the communication that underlines that, essentially you're talking about the building blocks of courtesy. That's please, thank you, sir, ma'am, and as well as any kind of similar word or phrase. And that's sort of the you know, how you get to respectful communication. And it's, it's an obvious thing. I, you know, I wrote about in the book how I, I wasn't really sure whether I even wanted to put it and be your customer's hero because it seemed so obvious. But what actually drove me to do it was being a customer, was continuing to engage with businesses as a customer and just seeing how often the simple courtesies were left out even by reps that were helpful or being nice and since it's not really courtesy doesn't seem to be a universal habit anymore it can be really important and particularly if somebody's rushed or stressed it's really easy and i'm not saying that every email has to be you know the king's english and uh, formal and things like that but i am saying you want to consider these things when you're commuting with customer uh... communicating with customer and that it also has to do you know, I don't know how often legal nurse consultants are face-to-face with their customers, but when you're face-to-face, it has to do with things like showing attention and being aware and giving good body language and things like that that can also signal that you respect the person in front of you.
1: And not looking at your cell phone when they're talking to you?
2: Uh yes, 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 yes. <laughs> That's uh, giving undivided attention, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you brought up a good point because legal nurse consultants spend more of their time over the phone with attorneys than they do in person if they are independent legal nurse consultants and not employees working in a law firm. Most independent legal nurse consultants are running their business out of their home. Some of them may have an office condo and their first interaction with an attorney is typically when the attorney calls and wants to discuss the services of the LNC. So can you give us some pointers about handling that process over the phone and how we can convey our differentiator or make ourselves stand out to the people who are contacting us?
2: Absolutely. There's a lot of things that you can do to make sure somebody feels respected and heard over the phone. And some of them are the same you know pieces of advice you would give in any situation and some are specific to the phone and one of the things I'll, I'll give some backstory on a lot of the work I'm doing now and I'm working uh, very early work on my second book a lot of it has to do with the psychology of communication and how we react to each other and if you think about it we've evolved over millions of years to read human signals and that is you know facial expressions body language tone of voice even smell to some degree, even though we you know, that's a pretty weak sense for humans. And all these things help us interpret the communication that we're receiving from somebody. And when you remove those signals, you remove some of the information we use to interpret what the person is saying. So are you able to tell what somebody's saying generally better face to face and on the phone? Yeah, you have more signals to read. And you want to realize that when you're on the phone. You want to realize how certain things you need to make up for what I actually call the signal stripping. So every time you start removing signals, you're signal stripping. So face to face, you've got everything. Video, not quite as much. Phone, even less. Email, chat, et cetera. You've really removed a lot of the human signals we have. So what can you do to make up for it? First of all, is to be aware of your tone of voice. To be aware of how you may sound. Second, I know you. Uh, we talked about this, smiling. Smiling on the phone can actually be heard. And not only can it be heard, people can even tell what type of smile it is. We're we're remarkably attuned to tone of voice. The other thing to remember is that people can't see you so they don't know what you're doing. So active listening is incredibly important. That means saying things like, "Mm, yes, I understand, or just even like a little noise, "Mm, yes, oh, I get that. Asking a quick follow-up question, could you tell me more? something that demonstrates you're engaged. Uh, another aspect of this is, let's say, typing. So have you ever been on the phone, I'm sure, and you've, you've heard the chime go off and then you seem to uh, not have the person's attention anymore or you hear a ding and all of a sudden you hear typing mm-hmm. and you know, the, you know the person's either on their phone or typing an email, right? Mm-hmm. We've, all, we've all had that and how do you feel? how do you want your customers to feel you don't want them to signal that so one thing to do is if you are going to be typing or taking notes you want to actually I always make sure to say hey uh, you may hear some clicking in the background just let you know I want to take notes because everything you're saying is really important I want to make sure I get it down so little things like that little communication tips on how to make sure to the person knows they're being heard and that you're paying attention can be immensely important to making them feel respected and to making them understand that you're engaged with them and their needs.
1: I know that when legal nurse consultants are asked about what they do, they have a tendency to blurt out explanations of their services. I do this, I do that, I do this, I do that. I know that you've used an example in your book that I think relates to what I wanted to ask you about. And the example is that somebody hands you a pen and says, here's a pen. Sell me this pen. How do you (laughs) respond (laughs) to that question?
2: Oh, my gosh, I love this. So we used to use this in retail. Um, I, I had retail stores, I uh, owned a uh, retail shop for many years, and we would put this in job interviews, and it's of an age-old question that's been around since the dawn of uh, pens, at least, I think, mm-hmm. uh, and it's amazing how many people do really poorly with it, and one of the reasons is this, we want to explain things, we want to talk, we want to tell, and there's an old expression called, telling is not selling. So when you talk about your services and you start sort of the shotgun approach, right, you're just spewing out, well, we do this, we do this, we do that. You're actually not focusing on their needs. You're focusing on your own sort of id, if you want, for a lack of a better word, because you're really, you're really just giving them a brochure. You're essentially giving them a verbal brochure. And questions, the key to the pen question is to ask questions. So somebody would come in, we used to do job interviews, somebody would come in we'd do the sell on this pen, and I was actually really nice. I changed it to sell me this chair, because I was dealing with frontline workers in retail, a lot of them didn't have business experience, and a pen doesn't have a lot to it. So I actually would give them, uh, sell me this chair, just to make it a little easier. Mm-hmm. Even with that, I could tell immediately if somebody could do it or not within a few minutes, I mean, within a few seconds, excuse me, because they either started asking me questions or not. And most people, what they do is a feature jump, right? Oh, well, this chair has padding and it's really sturdy and it's well made. And that may or may not be what's important to me. But if you start with questions, sir, what are you looking for in a chair or a pen? Right, whatever the example may be, ma'am, is this feature really important to you or is price more important to you and those are sort of on the nose questions if you're working as a you know lnc and you're on a sales call you're going to want to prepare a little better but the goal is to find out which of the features and benefits that you you offer that the customer needs and particularly to ask questions in a client services business to steer them towards what you're really good at, what your advantage is, what you offer that nobody else does or that you do better. you know. And, and For a legal nurse consultant, you, you would want to drill down. You would want to not just sit there and say, oh, we can do this, we can do that, we can do this. Find out what they do. Find out what their goal is. Find out why they called you if it's a first-time customer. And I wouldn't stop. If you have a repeat customer, unless it's just like, hey, we need the same thing we needed last time, I would always ask questions because people say they want the same thing and they may not, especially in something complicated like uh, legal nurse consulting. So I would always ask clarifying questions to find out what they need and to determine the scope and as an entryway to sell yourself and to sell what you do and how you can do it and how you can create a great customer experience for them.
1: It's so important to understand the background of that attorney, the kinds of cases that attorney handles, what the attorney's frustrations are about medical issues, what types of questions the attorney encounters in handling medical cases. All of that gives you, as a legal nurse consultant, the pathway to follow in terms of then saying, here, you've got this problem, I can solve it.
2: Well, that's a great point, too, especially about the background. Uh, and, and the other thing I'll, I'll add on to that, Pat, is it helps you find out what their expectations are. I mean, we're going to talk about customer service, and uh, you and I had a little pre-chat. You know, We talked about not meeting expectations and about uh, times where attorneys may get upset or not be happy with the bill or things like that, and asking questions up front can help clarify those expectations and that scope.
1: I know that you have thought in terms of powerful words that you can use when you're communicating with a client. Tell us about those power words.
2: Absolutely, and I think language is, to me, communication is the most important skill in customer service and customer experience. It is by far the thing that can make or break any customer experience compared to anything else. Now there are a lot of ways customer experiences can be good and also that can be poor that have nothing to do with communication but communication is at the core of so much of it that it behooves us to be really good at it and to use language that is powerful and can get the best result from customers. And since I've written Be Your Customer Hero*, which was in 2015 and as I said I'm working on my next book which has a lot to do with communication and language and psychology I'm really discovering even more how powerful words can be in creating an effect in uh, the listener's mind. So one of the things we have for NBR customers here is called power words, and these are words that you can use that are not really guaranteed, but are likely to give you a good result. Because you know words can mean different things to different people, but some words are powerful because they're not because of the specific meaning, because they all have that same general impact on most people who hear them. And I think in the book we used love as an example. So that obviously means different things to different people. But in the great majority of cases, telling someone you love her will elicit a strong positive response. So let's talk about some power words you can use in your communication with customers. A great one, this is one of my favorite is appreciate because everyone wants to feel appreciated. And you can use it in a lot of ways. I appreciate your patience. We appreciate your business. I appreciate your willingness to give us a chance to fix the issue. Uh, Respect, we already mentioned respect. That's a great one. And it doesn't, you know, you can actually use the word sometimes. Like, I truly respect and appreciate the fact you took time to bring this to our attention. Um, Accountability is another one. I like that. And I think a lot of times with customer service issues, it's a good word you can use. So, every word can be used in context. And obviously, you can't just use the word, it has to be used well. But in the case of some time in a situation where customers made a uh, sorry, the company's made a mistake or you've made a mistake, there's been an issue, use the word accountable. They're already wondering whether you're going to be accountable. So why not say it? You know, we're going to be accountable for that mistake and I'm going to do everything I can to make it right for you. And I'd say one of my, uh, I'll give you two more. One of my favorites is understand because understanding is at the root of empathy and empathy is crucial to what we call the emotional customer experience. so we haven't really touched on that in this uh, podcast, but the emotional customer experience is how people are feeling throughout their customer experience. What it what are their emotional reactions to interacting with you or your organization? And understand is a great way to get into, or to touch on that empathy, to show empathy, to touch on feelings. I understand why you're upset. I understand how you feel or I understand how you could, uh, Uh, that how that might have been misinterpreted and then the final thing I'll just add one last one which is absolutely and it doesn't have to be that word but sometimes I think it's great to have a little enthusiasm and not just say yes I can do that be absolutely certainly definitely give put a little punch behind the words and things like this can make you stand out and can create uh, absolutely a better emotional experience for the customer
1: and absolutely this has been a terrific podcast Adam (laughs)
2: <laughs> fantastic <laughs> i yeah. definitely enjoyed it
1: <laughs> very nice tell our listeners how they can find out more about you and get your book
2: absolutely so you can find me at customers that is customers plural that that is uh, the best way to find me uh, I'm all over social. I have a pretty rare name, so Adam Toporek, T-O-P-O-R-E-K. You can find me that way just by Googling. And uh, Be Your Customer's Hero, it is available on Amazon, and it is a really easy read. It is 82 chapters, so I made it very uh, nugget-based and short chapters, so you can read some, and you can always refer back. So uh, you can find out more about it either on Amazon or BeYourCustomersHero.com. And uh, feel free to reach out anytime. And, Pat, thank you so much. This has been a fantastic conversation.
1: Thank you, Adam, so much. I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. Thanks for being a part of this program. Check out our online training and books at LegalNurseBusiness.com. Expand your LNC skills with our resources. Also explore coaching with me at LNCacademy.com to get more clients, make more money, and avoid expensive mistakes. And finally, join our continuing education program and get monthly trainings at lncceu.com. You'll get two online trainings each month designed to deepen your knowledge and skills. And look forward to having you tune into our programs again next week. Use the code LISTENED to get a 25% discount on this product. You'll put that code LISTENED in the coupon code box
0: Please subscribe to our podcast and leave a review on iTunes. We always are interested in your ideas for new topics. Please leave a comment on LegalNursePodcasts.com. Join our community and get notified of each new episode and receive the transcript of today's program. Complete the request form on LegalNursePodcasts.com. We appreciate you
1: and your interest.